Well, good morning, church. Welcome to NCC at the Movies, and we are excited that you're here with us. And if this is your first Sunday or if you're watching this later this week online, thank you so much for joining us. And this is going to be a great few weeks as we walk through a series of conversations, looking at some of our favorite movies and um, stories that we love to celebrate and view as a family together, and then also opening up Scripture. And we're going to look at the truth of the Bible and explore how the things and the stories and the truths that we see thousands of years ago are still relevant today and how they impact our lives and shape our lives. And so we're going to open up scripture and look at what God wants to say to us and how God wants to challenge us as we walk through these conversations together. And so I know it's going to be a great few weeks. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss any of them um, with different speakers that we're going to have. It's going to be a great time together. And so this first week, we're looking at this story that you've just seen, Meet the Robinson. And it's a great heartfelt film kind of from Disney that talks about, and you see the life of this young boy who grows up to be a great inventor, but he starts off as a young boy who is placed in an orphanage. He's placed there by his mom, and so he never knows who his mom is. And as the movie gets going and as it starts to unfold, you see this little boy, Lewis, as he's growing up, finding different people, like interviewing with different couples who are looking to adopt him, who are looking to bring Lewis into their home. And it never quite works out. He's just never quite the right fit. And so one of the last interviews that you see is um, he makes this invention. It is the perfect invention. It is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich maker, okay? And I don't know if you struggle with getting too much peanut butter or too much jelly, but Lewis solves that problem. He gives the right amount of both. And so when he walks into the room, the invention explodes, kind of goes bad there, and it sprays peanut butter everywhere, and the guy is allergic. And so he breaks out in hives, and he has trouble breathing. And it's kind of this difficult moment, and this is what happens right here. And so at the beginning of the movie, Lewis is experiencing what many of us have felt at different points in our life that we don't see our potential or we don't see our future. We hit difficult situations and difficult moments, and you don't even have to be that old to experience disappointment in your life. And there are moments where we feel like maybe giving up or where we don't see where we're headed or what lies ahead of us. And it feels disheartening. This is similar to one of Jesus' disciples and what something he was going through. And so I want us to open up scripture together and look at this. If you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to start reading at verse 18. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there is a blue Bible in the seat in front of you, and it's on page 472. And so you can open up the scripture there to page 472 and follow along with us. And so what's taking place is Jesus is starting out um, his earthly ministry this is where he's going to begin to travel around and preach about the kingdom of God and do miraculous signs and wonders, open up the eyes of the blind and proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near and invite people into a relationship with God. And so one of the first things that Jesus does is he calls some disciples to himself. He calls a group of 12 young men to come and to follow him. And this is where we pick up this story in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. This is what it says. And Jesus, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, they, Jesus saw two other brothers, 
James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And so he called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed after Jesus. So when we're looking at this story, Peter is in a moment, if you can imagine, much like Lewis was feeling in that clip that you just saw there. This was probably a time in his life where Peter felt passed over. If you were here a number of months ago, we read this passage and we talked about the kind of culture and the um, area that Peter grew up in. He was in an area where everyone in that area wanted to be a religious teacher. That's what they wanted to do with their life. Their goal was to grow up and become what was known as a rabbi, so a spiritual leader in their culture and in that nation. And so you would spend your days opening up scripture and reading the word of God and helping other people understand what it meant to follow God and how to understand what it was like to have a relationship with God and a relationship with others. And that was Peter's heart. But at some point, as Peter went through schooling, he arrived at a point where he just wasn't good enough. Because at the age of about 12, year old, 12 years old, you would go through tests. You would be quizzed by another rabbi, like someone who already was a spiritual leader. And they would either tell you, hey, you're good enough, go on and study. Or they would tell you, hey, go learn your father's trade. And where we pick up this story with Peter, that's where he's at. He's learning his father's trade. At some point, someone looked at him and said, Peter, you love God's word, you love God, but you're just not quite good enough. And so you need to go study under your father's trade. You'll never be a rabbi. You'll never be a spiritual leader. You'll never help other people learn and open up scripture and really understand what it means to have a relationship with God. Peter probably felt as he's out there fishing, like I've been passed over. Maybe there were moments where he had dreams and he's thinking, I've given up on those dreams. I really don't have a future. I don't see what's out ahead of me. This is what my life is going to look like. It had to be disheartening in so many ways, the situation where Peter found himself. And there are times like that in our lives where if we're honest, we may feel like we've been passed over. There may be moments where you feel like, I don't know if I have a future. I don't know what's out ahead of me. There may be times where you feel like my best days are behind me or what God wanted to do in my life. That kind of time has passed me over maybe for mistakes or different decisions you've made. Maybe you don't feel like you have anything lying ahead of you, like Lewis and Peter. And yet in this passage, we see Jesus. When other people have passed him by, Jesus looks at them and he calls them. And he says their name. And he says, I see potential in your life. Even when others have said, hey, this is kind of all you're ever gonna be. I'm telling you, I've got a calling. I've got a destiny. I can see into your future. Peter, even if you don't see a future for yourself, I see your future. And I'm telling you, come and follow after me and I will make you a fisher of men. I'm gonna show you what it's like to lead other people into a relationship with God. Peter, I see your potential. And in that same way, church, I believe that God is speaking over our lives, that there's moments in our lives in every single one of us when we're going through difficult times where we may feel like, hey, God, I don't know what's lying ahead, that Jesus comes into our lives and he begins to speak our name out. And he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, I see the, poten the potential there that others don't see. I see the worth and the value that you have, and I'm calling you to myself. I'm calling you into my plans and into my purposes. And church, we need to be reminded when you're going through difficult times, when it feels like there's nothing else left, you need to be reminded that you are called and loved by God. You are called 
and loved by God. That there is a savior who looks at your life and he sees your value. He sees your worth. He sees what he has placed inside of you. He's that good father that's calling out the spiritual gifts in our life and inviting us into his story and into his kingdom. And this is what Peter began to realize. I'm called by God. And as you read through the gospels, and we're gonna look at a few um, moments in the life of Peter today, but as you look, there's a confidence that comes over Peter. There's a time where Jesus looks at the 12 and he says, okay, you've watched me do this. Now I'm going to send you out. And Peter with one other person, they had to begin to travel to villages. They had to go to places. And now they had to heal those people that were sick. Now they had to cast out the demons and they come back rejoicing. God, there was something that happened. Lord, as we went out proclaiming your kingdom, all of these things took place. There were signs and wonders. How did that happen? It's because Peter realized, God, I've been called. God, you love me. Jesus, you saw potential in my life when other people had passed me over and passed me by. You looked at my life and you saw worth and you saw value. And I can imagine time after time that giving confidence to Peter, the confidence that he needed not to give up, not to just throw in the towel, but to believe, God, there's something that you want to do in my life. Just a few weeks after Peter denied Jesus, he's then standing up in front of 3,000. And he's proclaiming Jesus died, he was crucified, and then he's been resurrected. And on that day, because of the words that Peter spoke, because of that confidence and that boldness, because of the spirit of God in his life, over 3,000 people were added to the church just on that one day. Why? Because Peter realized, I'm called. I'm loved by God. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Even when others have looked and said, hey, you're good, you're just not quite good enough. God, you've spoken something different over my life. And Peter grabbed hold of that and it changed his destiny. It changed his future. And church, I want to remind you of that this morning. There are going to be moments where you feel like you've been passed over. Could be a project at work that doesn't go like you planned, or could be someone else that you feel like you work harder than and they get the promotion at work. Or it could be in school where maybe you're not the best on the team or you're not the best in the classroom and it can feel disheartening and you can feel like, God, I don't even see my potential. or I don't know what my future is. Church, I wanna remind you this morning, just like Jesus stood there with Peter and he said, I'm calling you and I believe in you and I see your value, and I see your worth. Church, we need to remind ourselves at times we've been called and we are loved by God. He has a plan and he has a purpose for us. And we're gonna hit hard times and we're gonna hit difficult moments. And there are gonna be times where we may not see where God is leading us, but I wanna challenge you, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on your future, but listen to what it is that God is speaking over your life. We need to remind ourselves When you're going through a hard time or a difficult moment, you may need to look at yourself and say, I am loved and I am called by God. He has a purpose and he has a plan because sometimes the situations around us don't seem like that. But there's something powerful when we declare that. There's something powerful when we say that out loud, when we remember the salvation of God, when you remember that moment when God spoke your name when he called you, when you understood, hey, my life has been broken, but Jesus has come to save me and rescue me and take me out of my brokenness. There's something powerful when we rehearse and where we remember those moments. And so we need times where we're doing that. I was thinking this week, as I've shared in the past, part of our family story is adoption. 
There's been two moments in the life of our family where we've added to our family through adoption. And um, three of our children, Gabriel, Sophie, and Aiden, came to be with us right around this time about six years ago. And the neat thing, it was, it was right on Father's Day. It was Father's Day that we drove over to Arlington. That's where they were at at that time. And we got to bring them home and, and celebrate. And so every year right around this time, we talk about that, about the blessing that they are to our family, about how much we love them and what they mean to us. Every February is when the adoption was um, finalized and was official here in the state of Texas. So on that day, we go out and we do fun things as a family. We go celebrate and we eat at their favorite place to eat and we go try to do fun family activities. And we tell that story again about how they've blessed our family and what they mean to us. And it's an amazing time for us. And we need moments like that as children of God. We need moments, church, where we pause and where we remember, yeah, God, I was alone and I was broken and I didn't feel like I belonged and I didn't feel like I was loved. And God, I didn't see my worth and I didn't see my potential. And God, you as a good heavenly father stepped onto the scene of my life and you invited me in and you invited me into a relationship and you begin to speak those things over my life that I couldn't see, God, but you knew we're there all along. And so church, there's something powerful if we will rehearse that, if we will remember, there's something powerful when you begin to share your story with family members, with coworkers, with people around you, and you begin to rehearse God's salvation in your life. This is what God did. This is how he saved me. This is how God showed up when I didn't see a way out, when I didn't see the future. This is what God did inside of my life. There's something powerful when we remember the salvation of God. And so church, we need to tell that story. If you're going through a difficult time, if you're facing hard obstacles, that song that we sang up here, right here on this stage this morning, this is how we fight our battles. This is how we overcome. It's by declaring the praises of God, the goodness of God. Even though we may be walking through difficult circumstances, we are loved and we are called by God and we need to declare that out. And so there's something powerful when we do that in that moment and rehearse and remember the goodness of God. And there may be times throughout this week that you need to do that. You need to remind yourself. Not only are there difficult times in our life where we need to remind ourselves that we are called and we are loved by God, but we also need to realize that as we're walking through difficult circumstances, that there is a real enemy who wants to destroy you. You and I, there is a real enemy in our life who wants to take you down, whose total focus and his goal is to stop you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. And so in this movie, Meet the Robinsons, there's this moment where Lewis is getting ready to unveil this amazing invention. It's one of the first inventions that he's created that, that's gonna be successful and he's getting ready to unveil it and the villain steps on the scene and he sabotages it. And this is what it looks like. And so in that moment, Lewis wants to give up and he feels like he's failed and that he's made the mistake. And what he doesn't see is that there's a villain behind the scenes that's trying to sabotage his work and trying to destroy what it is that he's wanting to create. And it's like that in our life. Villains aren't just something that we see in the movie. We have a real enemy that wants to destroy us and wants to distract us from what God has called us to and, and our potential, what that is in our life. And so we believe that, that we have a real enemy. And so a little bit of an interactive moment. I want you to give me your very best kind of villain evil laugh, okay? Go. <laughs> okay? 
few of you sound a little creepy there, okay? You really get at that. But we believe that, that a villain isn't just something that we see on a TV screen or it doesn't just make for a good plot in a movie, but we believe that Satan is real and that his whole desire is to destroy our lives and to keep us from reaching our potential and reaching what God has called us to. And we see this in the life of Peter. There's moments where the enemy shows up and tries to distract and tries to pull Peter away from what God has called him to. And so if you still have your Bibles open, turn to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 22 is where we're gonna look at. So Matthew 16, verse 22. And this is a moment where Peter has just uttered one of the most amazing statements in the gospel. Jesus is having a conversation of who do people say that I am? And Peter responds, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, you didn't read that in a book and no spiritual leader told you that. That comes straight from heaven itself. God has revealed that to you. And upon that statement, Peter, I'm gonna build my church. And so Peter was being used by God to declare the kingdom of God coming and the power of God. But then just a few moments later, this is what happens. Peter says this. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is telling them how he's going to die and how he's going to have to go to the cross. And Peter takes Jesus aside and he begins to rebuke him. Now, I don't know if you can imagine correcting God, but that's what Peter thinks he's about to do here, okay? And he says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to him and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And so what's happening? Peter's just made this amazing, powerful statement. And then Jesus looks and he's saying, Peter, be careful. The enemy's trying to use you to pull me away from what it is that God wants to do, from the plans of God. And that's the way the enemy works. Now, Jesus isn't looking at Peter saying, you're Satan. What he's saying is you've opened the door for the enemy to come in and distract and use you as a distraction. And it's like that in our life. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what he wants to do. He wants to use himself and opportunities and temptations to distract you from the will of God, to distract you from what it is that God wants to do. And this doesn't just happen once. This happens over and over again. As I mentioned a moment ago, Peter the night that Jesus is being betrayed and he's going to be handed over to the Roman soldiers and crucified, Peter denies him three times. He's in a courtyard. And this man that's called to proclaim the goodness of God, this man that is called to stand up in front of thousands and to help lead the church in a courtroom full of, full of um, just a few people, he starts to say, I never knew Jesus. I've never been around him. I don't know who you're talking about when they're saying, hey, you even sound like him. You look like one of his disciples. He's like, I've never met the man. And he starts to curse and he starts to yell out, I don't know who Jesus is. And then he realizes in that moment, the enemy is pulling him away from his calling. There's disappointment, there's shame, there's failure because he's allowed the enemy to distract him from what his true calling was. Peter, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'm gonna use you to declare my name, to proclaim my goodness everywhere that you go. And it's like that in our lives. Church, there are moments where the enemy wants to sneak in and where he wants to distract you. 
and where he wants to tempt you and he wants to pull you away from your God-given calling, from the ministry that God has for you, what it is that God is speaking over your life and he just wants you to get distracted so you miss out on the opportunity of what God has spoken over you. And that's what he's doing in the life of Peter. There are moments where because of the enemy coming in, we just wanna give up. And I think we need to realize this, church, because I would guess for the majority of us, we're harder on ourselves than we are on other people. And there are probably moments where we're beating ourselves up, where we're thinking, hey, we failed, where we need to realize there's a real enemy out there. That this isn't just a little red guy holding a pitchfork made up by Hollywood, but Satan is a real spiritual being. And he wants to use his demonic forces to destroy your life. Just as I said, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not a little cute cartoon character. This is a murderer and a thief. And his goal is to distract you from what God wants, from where God's leading you to, from the calling that God has over your life, from the things that God has spoken. That's what the enemy wants to do. And so Jesus is reminding Peter, and he says in the gospels, hey, Peter, you need to be careful because the enemy's trying to tear you apart. But I've been praying for you, Peter that after you've gone through difficult moments, after you've gone through hard times, that your life would be used to encourage others. And so you need to realize that, that Jesus is praying for you, that he's calling out your name, that the enemy would not overcome, that the enemy would not be victorious, but that he would fail as it comes to distracting and trying to destroy your life. This is the voice of God speaking and calling you, and he is there to protect you. And so one of the most powerful things we can do is to realize we have a real enemy, church. We have someone out there, a spiritual being, Satan, that wants to destroy us. And the power that we have is to pray and to come against the attacks of the enemy, to come against the way that Satan would try to attack us and that Satan would try to destroy us. And so there's something powerful when we acknowledge that and we go to God. And we call out and we say, God, this is beyond my control. It feels like things are coming and trying to sabotage my life. It seems like things are trying to come and destroy your plan. And so, Lord, I come before you, God, and I'm asking for your help. One of the most powerful things you can do in moments like that is to pray. And I love reading the prayer cards that you guys submit. And those of you that understand that, and even every week when you're writing, hey, God, I'm praying for protection over my family. I'm praying for protection over my marriage. God, I'm asking that you would go with my kids into their school. Lord, I'm asking that you would be in my workplace. God, bless my business. Those are powerful prayers. Why? Because they acknowledge there is a real enemy that wants to destroy us. And God, I realize that we don't fight physical battles here on this earth. God, we fight spiritual battles and we fight in a heavenly place, Lord. And so we come before you with prayer, with the power of prayer and with the weapon of prayer, God. And we declare that we realize there's a real enemy, but God, you are greater and God, you overcome. And so church, there may be difficult moments in your life that you need to realize there's a real enemy that's trying to stop you. There's real demonic forces that want to kill and steal and destroy from your life that never want you to live up to your potential. And every difficult situation that you face in your life isn't just because of you. It's not because of bad decisions or mistakes that there's a real enemy that wants to destroy us and distract us from what God has called us to. And so there's moments where we realize that and where we feel that in our lives and we have to combat that with prayer. And so there are difficult times where you and I need to remind ourselves, God, we are called by you. God, we are loved by you. 
There are moments where we need to step back and realize, God, there's an enemy that wants to destroy our lives. There's an enemy, God, that's trying to come against us. And Lord, stop your will from coming to pass in our lives. And this last thought that I want to leave you with is we have a God who challenges us, who encourages us to not give up, who speaks life over us, even after our failures and even after we walk through mistakes, that God is a God who encourages us and wants to see the best for our future. And I love the way this movie ends, Meet the Robinsons, because towards the end of the movie, in the last few moments, Lewis gets to meet himself in the future. He travels to the future and he sees all of these amazing inventions. He sees all of these things that he's gonna do with his life, this potential that he has. And he gives himself this advice. He says, keep moving forward. And so in the last few moments that Jesus spends with Peter, we see him giving that same kind of encouragement. And in John chapter 21, this is what Jesus says. This is after Peter has denied him and Jesus has died and been resurrected and Peter's struggling with his faith. Matter of fact, we see him going back to fishing. Seems like he's given up on the call of God to bring other people into a relationship with God and, and to lead others. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter 21, verse 15, it says this. When they had finished eating breakfast together, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And the second time Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. And the third time Jesus spoke, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And I've heard theologians comment a lot on why Jesus repeats that three times. But one of the simplest things is Peter needed to be reminded. Jesus wasn't doubting if Peter really loved him, but he knew Peter had given up on some hopes and some dreams. And he's saying, Peter, I've not given up on my calling for you. Take care of my church. Take care of those that are far away from me. Go after those and preach the gospel and declare my goodness for those that need to hear about my love. He's saying, Peter, I've not given up on your story. You've got to keep moving forward. And I believe that church that we have a savior and we have a God that looks at us in difficult moments, maybe when we've given up hope, maybe when we don't see that future and Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, I still believe in you. I've still got a calling over your life. I've not given up on you. Even though there may be moments where you feel like you fail and where you fall, I'm telling you, I've not given up. I see your potential. Keep going after it. Keep pursuing my calling. And you continue to read the story in the Bible. And Peter does these amazing things. He steps into his calling. He leads the church in Jerusalem. He goes to other parts of the world. And even ultimately, he gives his life for the sake of the gospel. He's willing to die to share with others the love of Jesus Christ because God spoke that over him. Jesus reminded him, Peter, I've called you to be a fisher of men. And church, in that same way, there are gonna be difficult moments. And I believe as we look at the life of Peter and what God wants to remind us of this morning is don't give up. Don't give up. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to what God is speaking. Continue to follow after him. Continue to pursue him and his calling over your life. God 
sees your potential and he has a plan for you.